they were American businessmen or were they Russian businessmen? They're American. Because they had like obviously they were in like dubbed English or whatever, or they they were like mouthing English. But like, yeah, I think they but, were. Like, I didn't know Amer- if they were. I thought they were American because I thought it was shedding a yeah poor light on democracy. Was what okay. the they're in their shallow view that of what democracy sense. is. <laughs> like Wikipedia calls them Americans. Oh, okay, sweet. Well, so, yeah. So that take it for that what you will. I guess yeah. they may they might even say that they're Americans in the movie. I feel like they might. I that feel w- like the comment is supposed to be more on America. Than yes, else. right. Like, there's no Russians in the movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. think they wanted to comment on Russia because this was about Russia's right. impact on Cuba as a propaganda movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but you could be like them, I guess, if you really are desperate. <laughs> no, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even try. Yeah, you know, like I honestly like I'm so like not that type of person. I couldn't even try. <laughs> like, yeah, it sucks. Dude, oh, probably you're just suck. you're you're just a nice guy. You're just hashtag nice <laughs> oh. guy, dude. Oh, nice. Guy. I want to bang you. I deserve yeah, your it's... vagina. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> oh hell no! Oh god, those are the worst. Those are the those worst. nice guys, man. Those oh, those man. incels. You know about the incels, the involuntary celibate uh, people. They're like, it's hey, I want to have thing. sex, but uh, women won't let me. So it's not. I hate thing. women. <laughs> It's real That's people with a not real problem. That is, is seriously is. fucking yes. crazy. It's That's people like, with social anxiety who don't know how to deal with it. Exactly. Yep. It's like literally, dude, like, it's not hard. I feel like Just go out and talk to someone. I feel like white nationalism is kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the same type of excuses and just dumbass bullshit, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling real you. Real people with not real problems. <laughs> like, yeah. Your problems are not true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I don't know. Propagated by yourself. Which yeah. Makes them exactly. Real. Exactly. And that's like, I mean, I feel like we're talking about talking about this stuff. Just the, the fact that we all live in America and we find problems <laughs> like, like social anxiety are things. Like, I feel like we're doing pretty good as a species if that's like our biggest concern is our social anxiety. You know what I mean? Which is really not our biggest concern, but <laughs> I know. But for some people, yeah. it is. There's and a little for more them, dire they're doing pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. Anxiety. That's the whole thing, too. Yeah, man. The anxiety. <laughs> this is the worst intro opener conversation right. ever. Well, did you, you guys just see Magnolia? That movie, uh, Magnolia is great. I haven't seen Magnolia. is great, but that movie is basically, it's like a movie for for incels and people with social anxiety. You know, it's like, it's like white dude problems. Um, the movie, you know, basically, <laughs> so it's basically a summary of all problems that white people, white men in between the ages of twenty and sixty, like what they experience in their lifetime. In America, that's what that movie is, <laughs> and I love it. It's not a bad that movie. Sounds terrible, <laughs> it, but it makes it sound like it's the worst movie ever. But it's really awesome, and you know why? If it wasn't Paul guy. Thomas Anderson, it would probably be terrible. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like know. he's the reason why that movie. The way you describe it, it's probably he's probably the reason why it's good. I mean, probably. I mean, I. That's <laughs> one of those things where. The idea of taking someone's film like Paul Thomas Anderson and being like, hey, what if someone else directed this? It just feels like a pointless exercise a little bit. 
you know, no, that's not like, what I'm saying. I'm saying if it was a movie with that premise made by someone else, it wouldn't be as good. Right. <laughs> that, well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, but well, like, I, I feel like it'd be like such a vastly different movie that it's not even worth the oh, the exercise, yeah, yeah. unless it's like a studio, unless it's like Ant Man or something, where like really the like the creative direction is like from the studio. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like more of an assignment movie. Yeah. Or like direct, like Same switching thing. out a TV director. It's like, well, you know, like yeah, there will be little yeah. tiny differences, but ultimately, like the the voice of the show is already like in there. You know what I mean? That's what I've always wondered about TV directors. Like, you don't really you have leeway to a degree, but like, I mean, not really. Not really. Unless like, you're like you really hot do? shot director and you're coming in and they're spending a bunch of money, then I I I doubt. <laughs> you know, I doubt that there's Leroy. Right. I bet. But they, even like, then, like, I don't know. Even then, like, Ryan Johnson couldn't change Breaking Bad all that much when he came in, right? Like, it still yeah, had to no fit way. within the mold of Breaking Bad, right? Because it'd be so weird if it was like you can't break the show because, like, the show right. is there as its own thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. But then you also have things like, like, who's the guy who came in and did like House of Cards or whatever? What was that guy's name? The director. David Fincher. David Fincher, yeah. He comes in and like beat, starts the show and then they go off and do their own thing. That's usually how it goes, yeah. Yeah. I feel or like that's the only like time a show you have will do it. Yeah. Cuz he's kind of kind of is one of the showrunners to a degree. But like cuz he is like executive producing and he obviously is a well-known guy, right? And like right. I feel like that's the only time where you actually have any creative leeway is when you're the initial director to kick it all off. Like Scorsese and Boardwalk Empire, like he did the first episode. It kind of gives the mood, shows everyone what they're going to be doing. Right. Like that's really the only time that you get that freedom. Or if you're on American Horror Story, then you can basically do whatever you want. And it right. doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. Yeah. If it's an anthology or something. Yeah. Yeah. Especially horror anthology, which is like, you know. Lucy Goosey, Lucy Goosey, like, baby. I feel like um, a lot of television directors like deserve more credit because, like, yeah. you see some of these TV directors that are in some of the best TV shows. Like, one guy will be doing like he, you know, he's directed five episodes of Game of Thrones, and then he'll do like a couple episodes of Boardwalk Empire. He's done a couple episodes of all these like hit awesome shows and you look at them and then you like look at the episodes they've done and you're like fuck those were like the best ones <laughs> like there are there are definitely like directors that are like like phil abraham if you look at his fucking imdb he has done some of the best tv like worked on some of the best tv like shows ever i mean you know what i mean certainly like, there's something to be said for directors on a show because they also because they have to have they have to obviously they're getting brought in for their own talent but they also have to fit in with whatever the the creators want so they're right they have to be more of a team player and more of um uh like malleable than like an auteur you, you also have to I mean? be more creative yeah to work yeah. within those limitations and things and for sure like obviously there's still a reason why they have directors on shows it's still the last credit you see right before right. <laughs> you know it goes but it's still it just makes you i don't know i just i don't know exactly 
TV direction versus film direction. Yeah, and right. Even then, film direction can be influenced a lot by producers and everything else. Too, right. So I mean, just really... look at like De Palma with Mission Impossible. I mean, yeah. that movie he didn't he wasn't setting out to make like his like film. He was setting out as, as like an assignment film, is what I believe is what he called it. And that was like, this is a Tom Cruise vehicle. Like, how do we how do we make this and make it like awesome? You know, yeah, yeah, um, and I, I feel like he achieved that goal. I mean, obviously he did; otherwise, there wouldn't be a franchise. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, it's weird because it's like it is like a little bit different in TV, but it, it's also like different just from like project to project. Like depending on like where, like the like whether there's a book, you know, that could like um, like the Harry Potter movies, um, like how much J.K. Rowling is involved with those things, uh, even though David Yates was made like the really good ones and um towards the end and mate has done all of the new spinoff uh, ones also but yeah. yeah it's just weird it's just it's weird how it's so variable and it, it makes it hard to talk about without like knowing the intricacies of like how the movie was made yeah. you know what i mean i feel like we could do like a whole episode about it especially with like what's going on right now with spielberg and like the academy with the oscars and just how TV movies or w- things that were once considered TV movies are now like films, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And, and so like, it's just Netflix and all those companies have changed the game on what, like, what is technically a TV movie, you know, is bright a TV movie or is that like, right. what's the difference between bright, you know, Will Smith movie for Netflix and fucking, you know, <laughs> a, a movie of the same budget that's whatever the, the last Spielberg right. movie was yeah you know what I mean? one or whatever but yeah yeah for sure. i mean those two movies are comparable in their audience goals i would say yeah. well yeah and like bright right it was made for netflix but its budget was probably greater than fucking spielberg's uh the post oh yeah you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah. the budget's bigger so it's like <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it's one of those arguments that's like I kind of get where where he's coming from. Apparently, it's also what Spielberg was saying was either like completely untrue or just altered. Yeah, or it was like snippets of it or something. Right. Was take it was just taken like wildly out of context. But what's also fucking um, weird too is like like Mandy, right? That movie wasn't eligible for any Academy Awards only because it didn't have a two theater. It when it was released in theaters, it didn't play twice a day in a theater. Oh, really? Like, yeah, so there's all these weird rules, right? Where the Academy is, you have to have a two-screening day theater release for it to be eligible for Oscars. And that's the reason why it wasn't eligible. It's like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, the score, Johan Johansson could have fucking been nominated for the, you know, and it can't work for that score. You know what I mean? Oh, it would have 100%. Yeah. You know what's going to happen is someone, there's going to be a film festival that takes off. It's going to be all about and it's already happening where there's you know these other film festivals are taking on uh these types of movies and netflix is all you know around and stuff but there's going to be a festival that happens it's going to be focused on these kind of more made to tv movies yeah it's going to be wildly successful and people from the academy are going to be like how do we get in involved in this (laughs) right and i kind of hope that someone just sticks their finger out and says fuck you like yeah Yep. stick with your academy that's dying and you know like the oscars are dying and they're actively almost trying to kill it <laughs> like doing weird ass <laughs> decisions like oh we're just gonna take cinematography that that just that'll happen during a commercial yeah. break like did you see the did you see the conspiracy about the things that they selected 
Like yeah, they were all ed- Disney. Yeah, they're all not Disney nominated categories. <laughs> oh, anything that shit. Disney didn't have uh, <laughs> anything running in is what they wanted to take out because Disney also owns like ABC. What is ABC? Uh huh. That's whatever. Who, yeah, who does the Oscars? It's super janky, dude. That's the Oscars so and the Academy are a joke. Also, kind <laughs> of like feeds into my issues with Black Panther and things like that, which are you know like. Yeah, it's sort of just a rigged game uh, to circle jerk movies that I'm are. I'm not touching your Black Panther thing with a long stick. I'm just, I'm just gonna leave it. <laughs> Don't have to. But one thing, on my own, one thing, own one, one thing I wanted to say though is, in leading up to this new Avengers movie, I'm sure you guys heard of it. Um, it's the new Avengers Endgame, and they're talking. They they have all this like press and stuff, and my cousin sent me. This video that he thought was really crazy. He was like, oh my god, is this a spoiler for Endgame? And I watched it. And it's basically, it's Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo sitting like, it's a two shot of the two of them. And Mark Ruffalo, like, quote unquote, accidentally like spoils the ending. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know if this would ever see the light of day if it happened. And I looked down in the corner where there's a little watermark. And it said, good morning America. Which which is on ABC. Oh my god. And so, so all, all I could think about was viral Disney recorded this. Maybe Mark Ruffalo was being genuine and like accidentally kind of maybe spoiled something. Um but it wasn't spoiled enough to where it was like like you could tell he like felt like he made a mistake, but at all at the same time Maybe the ending that he thinks is the real ending isn't the true ending of the movie because they'll do that. They'll like tell yeah. actors yeah. the ending is one way when it's the other, or they won't tell them the ending. So maybe he genuinely thought that, and it's just like this is such like a setup. Like it felt so much like a setup yeah. to me because it was on Good Morning America because it was yep. it, everything is just a dis related to Disney, and it just felt like this contrived. Yeah thing that maybe didn't come from a contrived place with Mark Ruffalo but I could see the the like the marketing people behind it like oh yeah we just that's yep. what we needed like he accidentally spoiled the thing this is gonna go viral we're gonna yep. you know we're gonna bump this up so you know we're gonna pay for 2 million views right away so people think it's a big deal and stuff like that and then it'll just spread like wildfire it's like the thing we talked about with Netflix yeah where it's, it's advertising and marketing without yeah. realizing that you're actually being marketed to. yeah yeah, because exactly. it plays off as genuine, and it's all about like just si- like saying things offhand, or mm-hmm. you know, pushing it in a way that is it's going to cause some controversy because it was a quote accident, you know, but it's not. There, right. there was something to that though, because like I, I believe he later went on to Jimmy Fallon, and they talked about like how he got in trouble by accidentally, yeah, like like saying something. So then he made it even a bigger thing yeah which i don't i think jimmy fallon is nbc so i don't know if that's the, i don't he's not owned by with, yeah right he's not by disney but they still continued with the whole thing because they made like a joke about like how he can't spoil anything or whatever anymore right. i don't know yeah dude it's crazy because it's like i know a lot of people are really into the avengers and stuff so i could see maybe that like maybe jimmy fallon is just a fan and wanted to do that but i could also see like hey can you bring up the the vibe the, can you bring up the video so we can promote our movie you know i could see like them like jimmy fallon show getting like a paycheck for from disney for like mentioning it 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. or oh, or maybe sure. like that's part of the contract of Mark Ruffalo coming into the show is that they have to like mention that at a certain point. Oh, I'm sure. Cuz like cuz they they're able to play clips, at, you know, um you know, uh like when you know the they'll play a clip of the of the film um or a part of the trailer before mark ruffalo comes on or whatever you know what i mean right. so they get permission from disney to do that yes um yeah. so they probably get paid or you know there's some sort there, there's all sorts of those fucking deals i'm sure yeah it's crazy. dude yeah, disney it's is crazy. touching everything with their gross slimy fucking hands dude like it's <laughs> it's so dis- it's disheartening it's really well, did, disheartening to see did you the- did you see it's already past the um the, the most pre-ticket sales of all time it beat out right the first star wars movie i think it's almost at 300 million for pre-sales so over it that's <laughs> Which wait, is 300 insane. holy fuck dude. so like, over fuck? it dude that's dude, like that's, a, that's like a movie dude that's like dude, a whole that's like the cost of the movie dude the beach bum <laughs> had an opening of like its opening week t- together was like 1.2 million whoa that's that's after it was like released and then this is pre-sales. It's three hundred million. I'm so over Avengers, dude. Fucking holy fuck, dude! I can't insane, wait dude. till this Endgame bullshit is over with. I know there's gonna be another round. I know it's never gonna die now dude, because there's gonna it's a be, cash cow. I, I told Tiffany this. I was like, so Disney just bought fought the Fox thing, and I, right now they've built up. They built up the first Avengers as like this is like. The, the a culmination of, of, of our movies and it's going to be in one tight package. And now they're building up this new one as like the final moment of like, oh, here's like everyone coming together. This is the biggest bad guy yet. Here we go. But with the acquisition of Fox, now it's like, here's the actual culmination of all of our guys with all the That's X-Men the and everything. So they're going to do the same exact thing again for the next Avengers movie with all the far- Fox superheroes and and they're going to be able to sell it in the same exact way of here's all the heroes actually together this time is that i'm crazy? calling it right now <laughs> i'm calling it and watch at the end of endgame i'll be right since Little they bought X-Men. fox dude since X-Men they bought fox, show up. It, no 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 it's well it might be x-men but what i think is going to happen is endgame's going to end and at the the after credits reveal they're going to bring in galactus from fucking like uh, Fantastic Four and like mm. kind of that side of things because that's kind of like he's like Silver a Surfer. world eater, whatever. He's gonna be the bigger bad guy, and yeah, there's gonna be this X that shows up or whatever or like a four. Well, you know, it'll be X because everyone wants the X Men, yeah. but they're gonna bring in. If it's not Galactus, I'm sure there's two or three other big baddies you could pull from the new acquired Fox. And that's gonna be the the end of Endgame. Is there's gonna be that next one? Yeah, I'm calling it right now. And we'll Dude, see. I think I think we'll you're see. totally spot on. I think it's I think that's totally what it is. Wait, so Endgame is this? I mean, this isn't. What stage are we at now with the Endgame? endgame. <laughs> like we're it, in the Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like they have the different stages. There's so, like so. Yeah, stage- this is the third stage. So they're in the. This is a direct sequel to the um, Infinity War that came out, where they all right. die. So right. this is the third. So they had 
Age of Ultron, which marks the second round. Okay. And so this is the end of the third round. Of and how many do they have planned? Three. It's f- oh. But they have. I thought there was. I thought there was going to. Well, be they more. have like other movies like in the future. Like they announced. have a decades long. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Road release map. dates. Okay. Because yeah. I was things. wondering why they're making such a big deal about this film, besides the fact that it, everyone wants to know if people lived or not. Well, it's going to be the quote end of end of this whole Avengers, Avengers: Age of Ultron, Avengers. Okay. Infinity. It'll be the end of that. It'll be the end of Captain America and Iron Man, like because all these other movies have right. been a part of this same. Yeah. So, so, so they this, might, so they, they might like still do like another Doctor Strange and those characters won't. The thing about comics and shit is those characters never actually die. Right. When they do die, they're resurrected sometime later in yeah. some way. And what and what's gonna happen is 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 like this is like the end of the arc, but those characters and a lot of the contracts and the these right. guys are done yeah. with their contracts. Yeah. So some of them are just like, like Captain done. America's done. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he I think he right. wants to be done done. Yeah. So like they might either have the character chill out for a while yeah. and bring him back later, or they'll like put him in a different spot. But it right. won't be like Avengers X. It'll be whatever. So after Endgame, the next Avengers will be could be have a completely entirely different group of characters. But it won't be the Avengers. The Avengers is a is this group. Right, right. Well so but the Avengers are well, it could more be than like what Avengers, we have, right? Well, it could be still the Avengers, like the the group, the Avengers, without the heroes. You know, it could uh, be just no, different I think it's heroes. Like, from the comics, what it's I think what it is is like they are the Avengers. Like when the comic series came out, the Avengers, yeah. these were the pe- heroes okay. of that team. Huh. And then the other teams have different, like the Defenders or whatever the fucking yeah. whatever so luke this, cage, mi- this might be like, the last avengers film that we have that's for what they're quite some time yeah okay you know how like luke cage daredevil jessica jones iron fist those guys had they were called like the defenders or something yeah. like they like each grouping right has their well, then own. i wonder then what the they're X-Men. gonna do oh, then i wonder what they're gonna do next you know what x-men what I mean? fox see, just but, reacquired all their all know, those but, assets but they already, ha- or, uh, they already have did. like all the x-men films so like how are they gonna because they're not Disney X Men films, or they're not it's, Marvel. I see. So th- they were owned this. by Fox. Yeah. I mean, I, I know they're that, but like they but, they're blending. But like with the new X Men film coming out, are they are people gonna want? Is there a new one already coming out? Yeah, Dark, yeah. Uh, Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Yeah. So like with, with that film coming yeah. out, like I think that might pe- be different. Are though. people because it was connected with like X A. Or uh, X Men: Days of Future Past, or all you know, all yeah, those that have been coming out the last. Yeah, it's connected with all that because um, it has Michael Fassbender in it. It has you know um, uh, the Game of Thrones lady. Yeah, her name um, is, yeah. So like, are, are are we gonna are are we gonna see? I can see it. It's like if she if those group of people come in, but like then it would just be another X Men film. It wouldn't be. Here you go. Where's the answer? Twelfth. Um, it's the 12th installment. It's a sequel to Apocalypse. It's the 12th installment of the X-Men film series and the 7th and intended final installment in this main series. And then Disney will reboot it with new people or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? I think this was That's the last so- one produced by Fox. Okay. Disney bought Fox and all their assets. So they're letting it happen cuz Disney's also distributing this yeah. one. I'm curious I'm so- just curious like if 
like if people are going to be interested in wanting to just after they just released this yes, in a will. year two years see yes. the same characters just be a different yes act, they different will act yeah just be played by a different actors i don't know that's fucking no weird. they 100 percent will yeah so looking like spider-man you know i know right right like that happened a couple times and you know yeah look at look at batman like the the old school batmans you know like how they yeah. switched out batman a bunch and Look yeah, it was like kind of in the same universe, yeah. but it worked for that. They just released Suicide Squad, yeah. and then we're like, "Oh, Joaquin Phoenix is the next Joker." Like, yeah, look at that because that's like, dude, a fascinating, yeah. or even more fascinating, the fact that there's but, two Jokers floating yeah. around right now. There's that's DC crazy. is DC is kind of in a weird spot. Yeah, know? but what's going to happen is Disney is going to be like, "This is the this is the MCU." version that's yeah. actually connected yeah like these things happened and they probably won't really acknowledge it it'll be yeah. like when they bring them in they'll wreck on it so that it makes sense for their thing dude people yeah. are circle jerking well, themselves over supposedly too well, that there people was buy it because it's part of marvel so they kind of expect like a new yeah. like new everyone that let's mm-hmm. that, like it i think it'd be weird to mix I read somewhere too, like supposedly Margot Robbie was on set with Joaquin Phoenix, um, or Joaquin Phoenix was on set of Birds of Prey or whatever one of those things, which is like, well, is Joaquin Phoenix going to be the new Joker in that, or, or maybe it was Jared Leto? I don't know, dude. It's fucking weird. So it's like, are they going to have two Joker? Like, it's weird shit. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. Who knows? I don't. I'm so done with the inundation of. <laughs> fucking heroes and villains and just it's dumb dude and people are gonna get bored but they still are gonna go see the movies cause I know and then they're just gonna hate movies <laughs> I know and they're like, gonna be like well theaters are original. dying movies yeah. are the worst I hate movies movies aren't original theaters are dying there's no create, no original content because Disney owns all the copyrights to everything <laughs> fucking and, they're gonna like they own the copyright but they also push the copyright to later and later and later exactly and they're the reason why it's as late as it is anyways cause copyright fun fact used to mean your right to copy that meant that meant that after a certain number of years you could if you wanted to take a beloved character and, and write a book or write a movie mm-hmm. or make a movie with that character but now copyright is be- has become this other thing which is that it's been pushed so far ahead in the future that no one can really do that anymore and right. it's totally baloney unless you're doing Stupid. a parody which it's so fucking dumb or yeah. educational yeah satirical parody or i don't know if it's satirical but it also educational or is if it's if it's a spoof of the thing you can do it and there was yeah. one guy his last name was like flint or something who like <laughs> went to court and like made that a thing mm-hmm. um but outside of that like the co- the whole copyright shit has been pushed by disney to get to keep so they can basically because they're afraid that if they let mickey mouse out into the wild that the, you know, the first thing that's going to happen is like Mickey Mouse porn is going <laughs> to exist and it's going to hurt their brand. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Disney is Which I'm pretty sure it does exist the out there. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it already <laughs> yeah. exists. Yeah, Disney is all about the perfect family brand. And they have now R-rated stuff that they're going to produce, but it it will be only slightly attached. Because like Deadpool's not going anywhere. And that's and that's connected to the x Alien. Stuff. Also is now now owned by oh, Disney, wow. the whole Alien franchise, oh, which wow. apparently they're going to be producing more of. Damn. So they they Disney's it's, it's they're fucking two faced, dude. On one hand, it's like 
here we're family friendly family brand <laughs> right and then on the other hand they're <laughs> this money printing machine and they're never going to give up the things that make them boatloads of cash so they don't give a fuck whether it's actually family oriented they just care about money they just <laughs> right. tell you it's just it's retarded and i'm i'm really uh dude i'm just well, fucking the, sick of the Disney thing the, company, the, the thing about all that is that the fan the idea of the family movie is exists because of money because yeah you're exactly. buying yeah. six yeah. tickets for the whole family to go it's like yeah. if you want to see this family movie it's like oh perfect for the whole family great mm-hmm. i will buy six tickets instead of one if you're seeing it by yourself or two if you're taking you know going with a mm-hmm. buddy or something like the whole idea of a family movie is about money like in its in its essence you know what i mean that's it's why like, pg-13 exists and it's yeah. specifically geared towards children and then, like, you know, the children are the ones who kind of sell it to the parents. Those darn children. It's not really Those what darn it is. Children. <laughs> they're easily influ- influenced. Influ- they're easily influenced. Parents are going to do things to buy shit for their kids. For sure. Part of that is going to be movies and all, this, all the... Legos. Uh, yeah, and all, all the shit, shit attached yeah. to movies. The plush toys. The, yeah. the merchandise and stuff. And that's that's it. Marketing towards children for shit is so fucking... So sleazy, dude. And it's so... <laughs> it's fucking... Dude. It's just pisses. We just walk in, like, dude. Target and look at where they... I mean, they, obviously, they place the kids' toys on the bottom shelves. Mm-hmm. But they'll place like hella annoying, like loud toys, so like kids can go press the buttons. Exactly. And, and for me, that's like does the opposite for me. It's like I don't want my kid to have that annoying little toy. But you it draws I mean? attention to it. <laughs> so and like it draws toys. the other kids to it, and now everyone yeah. is looking at it. You know. Yeah, and then suddenly it's like if you can get your kid to like someone else's kid to cry in your store, then. Maybe they'll shut them up by getting them to buy the exactly, dude. loud toy. <laughs> it's And children have no filter when it comes to things that they're introduced to. They just see it and they want it. And that's like why, you know, child marketing is so fucking sleazeball. Because you can just literally say shit or just show them and suddenly they want it. And now they have to have it and they annoy the shit out of their parents and the parents yep. end up buying it. It's fucking... Fork over the money. <clears throat> It's fucking dumb, dude, and I'm super sick of the circle jerk for Marvel because it's just becoming this, like, it is. People are ruining it for themselves, and they're so stoked to do it, and I'm just so fucking over it, dude. Well, just, let's get to I'm the core. Just, I know. The, this is not a, even a... This is 30 minutes in, and all we've no, done is talk the, about Disney. The core of this issue is that children oh, are stupid. Core of this issue. I think that's the core of this issue. Well, yeah. Kids are fucking... Dude, kids are dumb. <laughs> Like, actually, though, like, kids are actually just not intelligent beings, like, 99%. Like, I, mean, I hate to break it to you, but your child is not a, you know, the chances of your child actually being a genius are very slim. So, right. sorry. Uh, sorry if I lost listeners with that, but. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's what it is. That's got to be one of, the most, one of the most, like, <laughs> enlightening moments of the entire <laughs> I'll get to almost 100 and we lose everyone yeah, right? that's yeah exactly awesome. <laughs> that is our goal by the time we reach 100 no one will listen oh man yeah, it's like when they cry over stupid shit dude the, fucking the internet is full of videos of kids crying over the dumbest fucking things like yeah kids are dumb kids are really dumb all right anyway um <laughs> now that we've gotten past that 
Um, <laughs> this is the Back to Back Films podcast where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. Maybe you don't want to know anything about what we just said. I don't know. <laughs> 30 minutes deep and we haven't even touched the main topic yet. So we are flying fucking hot with this one. <laughs> uh, I'm Keith. This is Byron. I'm Jacob. Um, and for those of you who are still here listening to this, uh, this week is part two of a discussion we had a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, and if you haven't heard that discussion, it's because it really is it's episode two of this podcast and whatever episode <laughs> this one and recording ends up being like it's fucking that long ago, almost two years ago. Wow. Over yeah. two years ago now. Yeah. I think it's crazy. So it's been uh, it's been a wild ride, yeah. um, and you know we haven't managed to do every single week, but pretty consistently, pretty fucking close, yeah, pretty consistently. Yeah. So uh, feels like this weird full circle thing it's, as we get close yeah, to. Uh, I should have listened to the old episode, episode one hundred. <laughs> it's a lot different. It's a lot different. Like we've changed things up like four times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, um, our first film is I Am Cuba, released in 1964. Um, four vignettes about the lives of the Cuban people set during the pre-revolutionary era. I Am Cuba was written by Enrique Pineda and Evgeny Evtushenko, and it was directed by Mikhail Kolodazov. Something like that. Um... Second film is The Passenger, released in 1975. A frustrated war correspondent unable to find the war he's been asked to cover takes the risky path of co-opting the identity of a dead arms dealer acquaintance. Uh, the Passenger was written by Mark Peplo, Enrico uh, Sania, and Michelangelo Anton- Antonini. Antonioni. I fucking can't read today. And it was directed by Antonioni. It stars Jack Nicholson, uh, Maria Schneider, Jenny Runnaker, Ian Hendry, and Stephen Burkhoff. Um, did I say we're doing long takes? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Okay, so what we're talking about here are the, specifically the long takes in the film. Um, I Am Cuba has multiple long takes. The Passenger has one very, very famous long take. Um, so that's kind of the focus here. Uh, which kind of leads me to the first thing, I guess, which is an idea that was brought up, um, that kind of in discussion, I was brought up that I heard that I wanted to pose to you guys. Um, because we are specifically talking about the long takes in the film. Could we have done this episode having only watched just the long takes, or did we actually have to watch the whole movie to really have a discussion around it i i think you have to watch the whole movie because like i could i could see why you would think like oh if we're looking at it from like a technical standpoint uh, like only i could see why uh you know maybe just watching like a compilation of long takes might be beneficial like how they do that um but I, i think one thing that is equally if not more important than the process of doing it is the context that it's in um so for an example uh, you know in first reformed um they have a, a ton of still shots that 
like are just on tripods and there's one moving take at the beginning and then there's like three takes that that dolly in in that movie and then at the very end there's a spinning shot that spins around the characters and that spinning shot is just glued in your mind because it's the only one in that movie and the rest of the movie is so stagnant so the reason i bring this up is because i think long takes in the same way need to have that context of a shorter take of uh especially in the passenger it like a lot of those shots are pretty it's a pretty medium you know length move i mean it's from the 70s so it's a little bit longer than it is nowadays like the shot length but um the long take at the end of the movie just hits you in the same way that it does in first reform just like in a different context so i i think it's the long take is all about context as much as as it is about its impressiveness i guess but like just watching you can like go on youtube and go see like paul thomas anderson's like like 10 long takes that he's done in his movies and it's a great little article about long takes and what they mean and stuff like that but what that guy is pulling from is the rest of the movie like he's 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 taking things from the rest of each of those movies and giving you the context to understand what the long take means so i think as a person viewer watcher i think you need both you know like i think you need to just have the context and understand what the long take in order to understand what the long take is doing um that's yeah that's my long answer that's my long take answer (laughs) yeah i would i would agree with that especially with like the passenger because i think like the ending of that film that shot like the reason behind it like you can watch it just by itself but it's not going to be as impactful like you can look at it on a technical level and see what he tried how he did it or wonder how he did it but to get that like emotional impact it's like the ending of uh, the sacrifice you know uh where it's like that just that extended shot of you know the ambulance and the house burning on yeah. fire and and, yeah. and and the reason why that 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 shot is so powerful is because it, it you get everything before it and it just builds and builds and even though that film is there's consistently lots of long takes it still is such a you know impactful one because of you know it's still like probably the longest that's so um, funny that you brought up the sacrifice because i was thinking about that movie too yeah like and i i so i you know but it, at the same time i i can play devil's advocate and you know like paul thomas anderson like that you know very famous opening shot of boogie <clears throat> nights uh uh of where he's going through it's like yeah you can watch that by itself you don't need to watch the entire movie to 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 kind of right understand the technique and where that sits in the film because it's the fucking beginning of the movie it's a pretty unique (laughs) example i think that's totally different because it's like kicking off the movie like that you know same with um the famous copacabana sequence in goodfellas it's like that that scene within the context of the movie is great at the same time what that shot's really only doing is showing you the, the what the characters how they live and and the world that they live in it doesn't give you like an emotional like catharsis or something like um the passenger or the sacrifice does does that make sense right yeah you know because you're you're following those characters go through the copacabana and you get to see all the the people that you know the kitchen guys doing their stuff and you go see the other wise guys you know playing you know eating and joking and um you know listening to music and stuff like that It's, it's not giving you 
anything that you're going to thematically take with you at the end of the film, you'll remember it as that was a sweet shot where you got to see what all the the guys doing what they do, you know. Um, and it's more like the Boogie Nights shot, you know. Um, but I think, and that's just playing devil's advocate at the same time. Yeah, that shot is more impressive in Goodfellas when you see it in the context, you know? Right. <laughs> but I can say that there are probably some that are... that could be taken out of the film and just be right. studied that way. You don't have to watch a two-and-a-half-hour movie of Goodfellas to really appreciate that Copacabana shot. But at the same time, I think for The Passenger, that type of film demands you watch... You know that that type of long take demands you to watch the entire film to really get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so funny the the sacrifice because there, I feel like Tarkovsky saw the passenger and was like so heavily influenced because yeah, that's so much of the passenger how that comes in and out of frame and thing. It's like it's really the most surreal shot and the most artsy yeah. sequence of that whole movie Tarkovsky really liked Antonioni's work um, uh, his early work and wasn't a huge fan of his later work but I'm um, regardless you can still but yeah, be right, right. Hit. but I think it's interesting because I think they are they were tapping into very similar things Yeah, they just mm-hmm. approached them a little differently um, and that's where Tarkovsky he was very much a really felt that his way was the best way sort of guy whereas antonioni he he was more of an experimenter i think than tarkovsky tarkovsky had like kind of rules and and ideas that he had kind of cemented in his head and that's how he would formulate his entire films he would construct his films behind these ideas um whereas you know i think antonioni was a little bit more he liked to experiment and, and try different things. And you could kind of see that throughout his filmography, you know, um, how the passenger is, you know, it opens up with a very unsteady handheld shot, Yeah, you know, it's, it's almost documentary ish. Um, but then you look at Lanot, which is, you know, all filmed on fucking, you know, in Rome with fucking huge cranes and shit, you know, more like Fellini. Um, and then, you know, he, so he, he just, he, he, he experimented with all sorts of different sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I think Tarkovsky and Antonioni are definitely directors that you can easily put into conversation with one another. Same with like Kurosawa yeah. and Mizuguchi, and like Tarkovsky was a huge uh, Mizuguchi Mizuguchi fan, um, yeah. and he had a huge respect for Kurosawa. And those guys use long takes in a very similar way too. Whereas thematically, super rich, and you can't see like. You can't really see them by themselves you know taken out of the film right. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel like i agree like i think the context is really important like the end of the sacrifice is only as impactful because of everything else right. like really yeah. that's the and i think the passenger is the same way where once you get to that shot and you're kind of seeing this weird i mean it is really it's, i mean there's plot to that shot but it's surreal yeah and yeah, there's a lot of weird <clears throat> shit happening that doesn't supposedly make a the, lot of sense. The reason why he did it was because he didn't want to film a death scene, hmm. and that was his reason for the long shot. Or long take. Right. And apparently, they built the hotel around getting that one shot. Yeah, which is really right. cool. <laughs> which is I, I feel like another director. another aspect that's important to look at with the context is 
is not just the context of the movie, but the context of cinema in general. You know, like if you look at uh, like Birdman or Rope or something, like the idea of like doing a movie that looks like it's all one take is definitely like it requires the context of other movies in order to get why that's like mm. a thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, so yeah, I feel yeah. like going back to your Boogie Nights thing, uh, Byron, which I totally agree. You can watch that by itself and appreciate it. But I, I think you have to understand how movies are normally like how, how movies regularly start themselves. Like what, what are the right. common ways movies do start? And when that Boogie Nights scene happened, I don't, I don't know if there was another movie that started a movie like that with Not such quite. a strong yeah. voice that yeah. that was like, whoa, this is cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, like that took... greater context of cinema uh, is another factor, which is, a, I think that's a factor for really everything in every movie is what, what, how has other uh, movies done this thing this way and how am I doing it differently? Or how is the this movie doing it differently? And how is this movie different within the context of the movie? You know? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, like, like, Paul Thomas Anderson didn't do anything technically new with that shot. He was basically stealing shots that Altman had done and mm-hmm. and stuff, but he just put it in an area of his film that just wasn't as, you know, um, well, especially when it do. starts. Yeah, especially yeah. when it starts, like normally framed and composed, and suddenly spins. Yeah, and then yeah. takes you down yeah. in like yeah. it's kind of like a swing. Right. Yeah. Into the story, like yeah. yeah. So it's. it's it's kind of cool yeah it's just i don't know it's just different but you never see anything flashy like that in a tarkovsky film or an antonioni film um at the same time they're equally as hard to get you know what i mean yeah like like one wouldn't be harder than the other really one would be just you'd have to focus like the paul thomas anderson boogie night scene you'd have to really more focus on timing with making sure heather graham is is coming into into you know camera on her skates in a particular way and that her ass is in focus and you know getting all the all the the details fixed at the same time at the end of the sacrifice you're gonna have to really fucking make sure that that the lighting is right for the fire and the exposure is good for the ambulance and everything is you know every it's it's a completely different thing because it's like you're dealing with a fucking burning house you know what right. I mean? totally, yeah. and the right. fact that they had to actually do that they had to remake the house is yeah, is crazy but um uh it's just different 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 styles but one isn't necessarily harder than the other just different um yeah i think it's important to understand like context but also contrast because i think we only really understand things in contrast you can only yeah. you only really understand sadness because you've been happy and vice versa yeah, yeah. you understand what a long take is because they're short Right. cuts around right. it and then you know overall cinema you understand the impacts or aspects of certain movies because of other movies that yeah. are around it like right that's a important and we we can only see because of light and dark too mm-hmm. like if mm-hmm. if there was no contrast everything would just be great you know like we wouldn't yeah. be able to see anything exactly right. exactly mm-hmm. so it's i think i also agree it was just an idea that was kind of posed to me that i was like huh you know like we could just talk about the long take because that's what we're doing and there's only one long take to talk about in a certain movies yeah. you know like uh i am cuba is a little bit different because there's kind of multiple but mm-hmm. for most movies there's like it's like true detective where you'll go through eight episodes but there's one long take that is 
the long the long take yeah right? kind of right. a big right yeah it builds up to it <clears throat> and but you spend all the time around it just to get to that point yeah um but yeah i think it's it is a because you lose that i think rope you lose the the impact of a mm-hmm. long take because you're doing 10 long takes in a row there's yeah. it's all the same yeah, because mm-hmm. I think if you were to dissect Rope, I think that film would have been more powerful if it was shot like a regular film and then maybe during the last bit, you know, was shot in one con- true continuous take. That would be yeah. more impressive, you know? Yeah. yeah, um, And it'd be more suspenseful, I think, like if you yeah. were to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the same yeah. time, it's great that in the 40s he attempted to do something like that. You yeah. know, it's cool yeah, at yeah, the yeah. same time totally. if you wanted to con- like really dissect and, con- and see what may- would strengthen that picture, of, of, you know, of course. But right. um, but then, you know, it's crazy because like Birdman, right? It's done so flawlessly, You it doesn't detract from the quality of the experience of the film. And if anything, it might heighten it, you know? Yeah. His reasoning is a little bit more in tune, but that's just because of technology <laughs> yeah except for yeah yeah. Uh, yeah except for birdman which is the bad movie in general oh <laughs> I, dude i literally i i don't get the hype for that that's movie. So i funny. tried watching it and yeah. was like this is just boring oh wow considering it's from inuritu i was surprised by how bored i was by that wow. movie but i'm curious what you think of uh, beautiful i think you'd like beautiful it's pretty good I don't know. good question I like that has harvey bardem in it right Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, I generally like and Babel is good but... too. You'd like Babel, I think. Yeah. Oh, sweet. is that in your too? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah, both. Yeah, of you those would like Babel. Babel's yeah. good. Babel has some really cool, interesting things that he does with it, and and some long takes that are pretty fucking cool. He's kind of a long take guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Amoris Perros, though. Yeah, it's great. Yes, there's an. I mean, there's a long take in Amoris Perros that yeah. I thought was really interesting. I actually did a a quick little like assignment on it in school specifically on yeah there's a, it's not like super long but it is interesting how yeah. it kind of plays out um mm. but yeah he definitely has his his long take thing that's why i was just like i don't know i that's why i watched birdman because like oh it's in your i gotta yeah. watch it yeah. won an oscar whatever and yeah. i was like oh this is dumb <laughs> 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 unfortunately um <clears throat> i thought it looked cool i like the drummer that yeah, was the, the, main, that was like the only part of the movie good. i liked was the drummer um but yeah, so yeah, that's interesting. But so let's talk about the long takes themselves. So I think I Am Cuba is a pretty infamous one because of where the camera goes. It scales a building, goes across into the uh, like sewing shop or whatever, and then mm-hmm. goes out and flies out the window, um, which has a similar shot at the beginning of the movie where it goes down the building, yeah, and kind of floats cool. around some people, and then I wasn't goes expecting that at all. On top yeah. of that, like, so it's kind of this interesting like contrast, and a lot of the shots are long. Like the singing guy is a long shot. Um, I think in the middle with the dude, the second story, there's not as many. And like even the scene of like the guy just lighting his house on fire and shit, like. The camera that was pretty. That's a pretty. A lot of it was just one shot too, where the camera's like mm-hmm. just following him inside the fucking burning. Yeah, house. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, damn, like. <laughs> yeah, so I think I am Cuba's one specifically. They go for that one because the camera just kind of flies. Um, and what I think is interesting, and what because I've seen I am Cuba long take by itself out of context, and you watch it and you're like, you don't know what's going on. You don't know why it's doing this. You don't know what the overall 
cinematography of the movie is like. So you watch it, and it's kind of a janky shot mm. in that you can tell where they had to stop it to, to get it to do what it yeah. was doing. Like the guy, had he had started handheld, yeah. stopped, had to hook it up. Then you pulley up, had to hook it to the next yeah. pulley. And then he handhelds it through the shop and then has to stop to hook it. And you can actually see the two rope, the wires <laughs> yeah. that he hooks it to or that they hook it to. And then it goes out. And it's like a janky shot. But then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, that's just the way the movie is. Yeah. The yeah, movie's yeah. camera work is just really all over the yeah. place and is mm-hmm. very much aware of itself. Like you're so constantly aware of the camera that when you get to that long shot you're like oh okay that's yeah it's it that just is <laughs> it's an odd it's an odd film in that way and like i was thinking about that too because you could see the 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 wires or what rope or whatever yeah. at the same time for for people viewers at the time they would never have thought that that's part of the what's totally. going to be a filmmaking thing you totally. know what i mean yeah. like yeah it's just this tube rope or whatever hanging there they are not expecting and even if they even if they did they, like they, even if they, like I don't even think because that all that that whole the whole technique just wasn't being done. I don't even think they'd recognize the fact that it like oh the camera had was stopping because they're hooking it up right now. Like no I yeah don't yeah think so it, it probably was just like kind of like mind blown. You know I mean yeah, when you yeah. think about the other films because I am Cuba when it came out just didn't do well and it took decades for filmmakers to to bring it to light and whatnot so people who saw it i mean were probably not very well versed in like overall cinema right or had you know had a large pool of other things to draw from so when they saw it it was probably just like damn that was cool you know like it and then you probably don't even notice it most people probably don't even notice yeah you know most people don't notice a long take. Hell, no, even there's times yeah. where I'm like, "Holy shit, is that still? Are they still going?" Like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. realize after <laughs> yeah. the fact, right? So, like, yeah, and I noticed too. Uh, there's a shot in the woods um, at the towards the end when they're with the rebels, mm. and it's doing this track along, and it and it's showing the people with the guns, and they're in the jungle yeah. and everything. And actually, the camera pans down to this guy who's writing, and in the corner, you can start to see the dolly. That the platform oh, wow. that it's on, oh. as it kind of goes and then then it pans and you lose it, but you actually see that. So like, there's these weird little like quote mistakes yeah. that happen, but they're not really because like most people who are gonna watch the movie aren't gonna notice what right, I notice. Right, like, right. you right. know what I mean? Because they just don't care or just you're enthralled with what's happening. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I don't really know. I was yeah. gonna go with that, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of interesting in that yeah. regard, I guess. You know, um, you know what's crazy in that in that scene where they're they're all marching, yeah, and at the very end when it's tracking the the big crowd at the end, you can see the wires. I'm pretty sure the guy with the gun at the top, like one of the guards, is actually like a grip <laughs> because he like holds his hand out in this really specific kind of way that looks like he's communicating with someone behind the camera <laughs> and then he like immediately goes back and like holds his gun and pretends to be acting again but I'm pretty oh, sure I, have to that. I know I'm pretty sure he's like a, like a part of the crew you know and it was that's uh, funny that's awesome it was like oh man I wish I didn't notice that because like I don't mind the little wires you know but uh but seeing him like facing the camera and like facing like off camera it was just like oh I'm pretty sure <laughs> 
That's <laughs> amazing. Awesome. That's that at the fun. end of it, you said? Yeah, right like, towards yeah. the end, right before it fades to black, because it fades to black. It fades to black, like, right before it gets to him, so I'm pretty sure he's, like, a mark for the end of the shot or something. I'm trying to look real quick and see, yeah. because... It's... it's is uh, he on the left? He's on the left, up in the top left corner. Oh! You see how he's, like, talking to... Yeah. I think so. Yeah, he's kind of above everyone else and kind of, like... He, he like, holds out his hand in a specific kind of way and... Oh, that is funny. really weird. Yeah, that's a really interesting little detail. Yeah, that I didn't pick up on initially. Huh. Well, yeah. So w- one thing, since since uh, you're looking at that, one thing that a lot of people like to do is look at the average s- shot length in a movie. So like a lot of a lot, of, you'll see it in like some people will be like, the average shot length is like, you know, thirty seconds or something like that, and um, and some people will look at that and be like. Yeah, that movie's probably a little bit too slow for me, or something like that. And I, I guess I wanted to get your guys' opinion on on that as an idea of of something that you should could use to decide whether to watch a movie. I guess, well, or the idea totally of the fact have. that people do that in general. I totally have. You've done that. Yeah, I've. I've Why? There was this <laughs> thing. There's this thing on um, Criterion website at one point or something where it had this list of like the average shot lengths in films and i'm like fuck i want to watch some of these films cause the ones that have the greater length and Tar- oh, I see tarkovsky and um antonioni and uh some of these other you know filmmakers they were they were their films were like had some of the higher you know the more higher um shot length times so i was like well fuck i'm gonna i want to i want to study those films so i've i've totally watched you know certain directors films more because i knew that their that their films had greater shot lengths because i just that's just i find that interesting i find i'd rather watch a movie with like multiple long takes and just a whole bunch of rapid editing right <laughs> that's just yeah. that's just like, me but <laughs> like our uh neon genesis movie where it was like oh yeah i could I bet their oh shot God. length was like a second maybe yeah. maybe even less <laughs> movie was insane to watch yeah oh my gosh i kind of get that for like if you're trying to find stuff that has like longer takes or yeah things like that or if you're trying to measure it for school or something i don't know but like as a general measure of whether or not you should watch something that just seems like a really short-sighted fucking yeah i mean it's not it it wouldn't be my like the the only reason or anything it's just like i was like oh fuck that's cool i'm gonna i'm gonna watch those you know what I mean? Because I just yeah, find yeah. that more, more interesting. Not like I wouldn't watch the other filmmakers or, you know, the, the right. other films. Um, but but I, I think, was like, I'm going to put those first just yeah. to check them out. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are kind of the opposite of of you, uh, Byron, where they're like, oh, the shot length is 30 seconds. Like, that's like way too short for me. Like, I want something closer to like eight or ten or something and um or i don't know <laughs> i don't know what yeah, people yeah, yeah. what people like but i'm just theorizing um but I, I i kind of equate it to like like looking at like rating a quarterback based on on how many yards they get like they pass in a game you know i don't know if yeah, you guys I, watch football at all, no but, uh, no but i can understand the but like the... like the idea that like this one 
parameter is like a measure of what makes someone good like a good player or a team good uh it i mean it's just like a shitty way to look at it and there's like this um in football at least there's a this obsession with the yards that a quarterback does in a game and um i think part of that has to do with fantasy football and the you know the obsession (laughs) with all that but anyways uh, my point is is that it's it's a weird metric where it's like i could see it being important if like every shot was exactly that length but because they're so highly variable like it doesn't really matter like at all you know yeah i think i think being judged like if you're a good filmmaker or not by shot length is completely absurd too yeah like like it just depends on your style it's like i mean you look at um uh god guy Ritchie, right He's considered yeah. to be a pretty decent filmmaker. At least his earlier work has been has inspired a lot of people. Like he's not really known for his long takes or anything. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like like um, or or even like Jeff Nichols or you know you know did Take Shelter and these are good filmmakers that are considered auteurs. You know their own they have their own voice, but they're they're not they don't necessarily delve into to you know they're not judged by how good their long takes are whereas right. some filmmakers are like altman and paul thomas anderson and and tarkovsky and you know but like right. Ingmar bergman he's got long takes in his shit but he doesn't he's not necessarily known for that you know so it is it is interesting i think some people though do confuse that i think they confuse like like oh to be a good filmmaker you have to have long takes in your film or you have to at least to have one long take in your filmography and like no no there's right. plenty of people that that didn't or haven't done that um that right. are fantastic filmmakers right like and the, like uh like edgar wright you know like he's uh, he has like all this like super ocd editing movies you know like scott pilgrim's like so fast you know Right. And uh, Baby Driver so fast, but Baby Driver had some long takes in it actually. It did, but, yeah. But they're they're choreographed in a way that makes them feel like they're going really fast, you yeah. know. But he's not going to do like one of those Paul Thomas Anderson movies where it's like the slow pan- zoom in on Daniel Day Lewis or whatever. Right. Um, right. But which also gets to another point, which is that the long take, um, regardless of of how long it is lengthwise like i feel like the speed of it like the 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 it or if there is speed at all like it could be on sticks you know but um but the the idea that something like a average shot length can decide like the speed of the movie is like totally not true because if you look at baby driver and look at the um choreography that goes into like those long takes like that shit's insane you know, like, and yeah. there's shit flying around everywhere. Um, and it's also, kind of interesting how, like, a long take can can still be, like, in an OCD edited movie, you know, uh, or yeah. in a very fast movie uh, while still being a long take itself, you know? Yeah, well, it's like Requiem for a Dream has something ludicrous, some ludicrous number of cuts in it. Right. And if you take the average length of that movie, because certain there's a lot of these montage drug taking shots <laughs> then it it lowers the average shot length right yeah but the movie is not i mean it is eclectic but it's not like it's not like a super boom 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 right. boom 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 boom, right. boom 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 it's just those little moments where they're like okay you know what i mean like yeah it's right. just 
so it doesn't like that's the thing i don't get about that as a measure even compared to the example that you use or the comparison to football stats because like the point of football stats is measuring something that is supposed to be competitive to other people like this quarterback they're trying to measure their at their skill based on the stats that they do whereas like average shot length of the movie doesn't actually tell you anything it's not a measure to compete or it's not a measure right for anything like i, I just i don't even get the point of average shot length in general yeah but like it, it just it doesn't tell you i mean if i sh- if we for people who there's a lot of people who never heard of rope and if you told them the average shot length was 10 minutes versus something other movie that they hadn't heard of with average shot like a seven that doesn't tell you anything about like what to yeah. what well, you're gonna yeah. expect from the movie and rope is right. like what 80 minutes long and the other one could be two hours and 20 minutes exactly you know? and you don't it's know like, what's gonna happen in the movie you don't know what type of movie it is you don't know who's in the movie yeah. you don't know like what you're gonna experience like children of men has an average shot length of what five minutes or something yeah. ridiculous like but it's a very compelling movie yeah. that a lot of people right. like and it, I wouldn't call that movie slow at all. No. You know no, what I mean? Exactly. It's a very exactly. fast movie. Yeah. yeah. Same with like uh, like The Wolf of Wall Street, right? It's like a three-hour movie, and it's not like a slow-moving movie, but there's like the scenes, you know, like the scene of him completely fucking drugged up, and he's trying to get into his Lamborghini. <laughs> trying to, trying to get like, up the stairs. Yeah, and it's like one <laughs> shot, and it's, it just sits there, but you wouldn't like as you're watching it you're like kind of aware that it's just like the camera's just sitting there watching him try and get into his car yeah. it is technically a long take but yeah. it doesn't it, it like overall with when it, in the in terms of that movie like it's not doing anything you know what I mean? in, in terms yeah. of like taking away or adding to shot length i don't know it's weird yeah no i definitely agree a shot length, <laughs> average shot length is such a weird measure that I just don't get, and also like you take the time to actually measure like average shot. Yeah, somebody's yeah. Done Who's someone sitting actually there does for, that. Yeah, frame by frame. That takes longer than the movie is yeah. the length of the movie to do. I don't know what. I, like, yeah, fuck. Wow. I, I mean, I think we all kind of like long takes though too. So we kind of come from a different spot where yeah. if we saw something, an average shot is sixty seconds. Like, right. Yeah, that's probably you know like we can compare that to things that we've seen and have an understanding of how that could affect a movie or how we could enjoy the movie. But even then it's just like, what the fuck does that even say? Right. You yeah. Know, what yeah. if half the movie was a 45 minute long take and the other half was two second <laughs> cuts? True. true. That doesn't tell you yeah. anything yeah. like that. The yeah. average shot length for that movie is now what? 10 yeah. seconds. <laughs> when yeah. you actually do the math, like it does just doesn't, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It, when, what, another thing about long takes, you know, is is um, just like on an, on an enjoyment level for me. Uh, whenever I see one, it's like a special treat in the movie. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. wow, this is like really cool, like that they did it this way, and like it, it kind of takes me out of the movie in a good way. You know, like suddenly I'm like focused on like um, like how neat it is that they're like doing this specialty thing that oftentimes aren't in movies you know like that's not a common shot and it's unconventional um you know because it it doesn't abide by the single 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 master um way to shoot things Um, exactly yeah 
So it's kind of like a nice little like, oh, they thought about something. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about Haunting of Hill House, where it was like one episode was suddenly the series of long takes totally broke the cinematography, the typical cinematography of that show. Like, there's no steady cam in that show until that episode. And then the whole episode is a series of long takes. And it's the best episode of the whole series. Wow. Because they decided to focus on that aspect of it. Um, what kind of long takes was it? Was it a uh, was it do- was it dollies? Was it on sticks? It's all was steady it- cam. Steady cam, yeah. The whole episode is steady cam, yeah. And there's like five cuts, I think, in the whole um, episode. So everything is done in camera, and there's a lot of those little like tricks where they they'll put stuff in off screen, and then the camera will pan around and it'll be there type of thing. Then oh, they yeah. built the set for that uh, episode of the series so like the house the funeral parlor all these things they had to connect because what happens is they do what they did in um the passenger which was a dope shot in the passenger where uh when he when he starts to listen to the uh recording how it goes from it Mm -hmm. does a flashback within the the take which is super fucking cool they do that in haunting a hill house where he is starting to walk down this hallway and he takes a turn and it's present day and suddenly he walks into the past and he's in their old house in yeah. one shot um, and they had to build the set because it's all practical they had to build the set to accommodate for that cool. mix yeah. um, and I think that's almost one of the understated things about the passengers like yeah obviously it has a seven minute long take but also it has two shots in it that one takes you into the flashback mm-hmm. in the same take and then takes you back out of the flashback yeah you know, at the end of that sequence or whatever. I'm so glad you noticed that. That's so cool. I noticed it right yeah. away. I was like, you sly fuck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, you sly I, he I had to rewind because I wasn't, I was like, wait a second. Me too. I yep. did not. Yeah, he, what is happening? Yeah. He does some cool shit and like, he does a lot of cool audio stuff too in the film. Like it's all, the whole film is heard through Jack Nicholson's ears, which is cool. So if you like watch it again, all the sound is, is all only what his character would hear that's crazy because i noticed that there was some weird sound stuff going on but i couldn't i didn't understand quite what it was there's only one exception that i can think of and i still can't figure it out and it's really weird and i i can't i can't i haven't been able to figure this out so when he's getting they're getting chased by the cops and the cops pull over to the side of the road Mm -hmm. and the camera stays there and then it just you see the car is going or yeah the, the car keeps going it's like but the camera and what you hear is obviously not what jack nicholson's hearing because he's over there in that car but that's the only what sequ- exception what sequence is that it's like towards the or maybe it's not even the maybe it's not even the it's before the car chase sequence i guess it's just the the car is being followed by the camera car that's huh, it okay. yeah and the camera car just stops it like pulls over to the side of the road and then Jack Nicholson's car just keeps going through this tunnel and the shot oh, just ends. Oh, right. Yeah. And, you're, and you're just like, huh. Like it's just a weird, huh. it's just a weird shot. That's the okay. only time I can think uh, where I'm just like, huh, that's a weird, you know, weird shot and a weird exception to the, to the idea that the whole film is right. through his ears, you know. Like why break that, that there? Right, yeah. yeah. It was just an odd thing. But also I liked how he played with, in very Michael Haneke-ish too, like the interviews. Like how, you know, oh, yeah, the, yeah. like 
like the 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 the, the killing the um the execution like that's like real execution um i wondered about that yeah so that's actually a real dude getting killed there that they wow. from um from african like documentary thing but then like you see it and it takes the full frame of the of the of the of the film but then you also see it on the little moviola you know so it's you know i don't know it's cool does that hmm. make sense like yeah i'm trying to remember that shot i remember yeah. that sequence i don't remember the shot specifically so. yeah there's it kind of goes back and forth a little bit and it's kind of just he does it in a way where you're just like all of a sudden you're just watching like the 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 african politician guy talking and then but you could tell the camera grain is a little off but yeah but yet it's you're not watching a video you know or like in a in a tv or whatever but then eventually it'll cut and then you'll see it being played on a Mm -hmm. tv and you're like oh okay and he just did cool stuff and like michael haneke does that a lot in his films um but he he, yeah antonioni does a lot of cool weird stuff in the passenger and it's also jack nicholson's one of his favorite if not his favorite film he's ever done which is pretty oh, cool i could see it being kind yeah. of fun to do because he actually bought the rights to the film um kind of right after it was uh released he bought the rights and uh because it just it, it didn't do very well and he didn't want like because he considered it high art mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't want people to fuck with it so he actually owned the rights and the reason why it's on dvd is because of him but oh, it's wow. only been it's only been given a dvd release it's not you can't get a blu-ray of it or anything which sucks. which is trippy because if you think about it what he what he was doing right around that time too he was doing like chinatown yeah yeah you know, he was at like, the height of his yeah. of his shit in the mid mid 70s i'm trying to pull up his filmography so i can kind of look around what's in the 70s so he did probably the like the last detail and mm-hmm, the um, last detail chinatown was literally the year before four. he did one flew over the cuckoo's nest the, one flew over the cuckoo's nest the same year yeah. as the passenger yeah mm-hmm. um he did the shining five years later like he was in a weird yeah position doing some good shit yeah um so i have a this one idea here that i kind of thought about and you guys could tell me if i'm just talking out my ass but (laughs) i I kind of was thinking about this in terms of um the long takes but so it'll it'll connect to it um but i kind of started to ask myself because like uh like i am cuba is not necessarily a plotless movie it it has an anthology happen it's an anthology and the passenger has like things that are occurring across it um but it's sort of and I kind of posed this question to myself before I saw I Am Cuba. I kind of watched some snippets of it and kind of tried to get a sense of what it was like. It seemed like it was just kind of disconnected yeah. mm-hmm. thought. <clears throat> so what I was starting to think of is like, well, why are, because we've kind of done other movies that are sort of plotless, but like, why are they kind of disliked compared to like a narrative story or arc? Uh, even though they're not necessarily bad, just sometimes just you watch a movie and things will happen. Like Climax is kind of a plotless movie, but it's a good movie. Um, and I kind of was like trying to answer my own question so you can tell me what you think about this. But what I kind of started to think about was like people like to have an expectation or kind of like preconception about how things are going to happen, especially like in movies. That's why we like uh predictable movies kind of in this in the sense that like when we watch movies you feel the beats or you know where a movie's gonna go yeah. uh in a romantic comedy or in a lot of paul uh 
Judd Apatow comedies, you're going to get a very specific way of how this movie is going to play out, right? right. Uh, not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's that's a uh, distinct to that nature of type of movie. Um, and because films are kind of escapist, we don't want to have to like necessarily, or we want something to kind of guide us or we want to feel like we're in control of something kind right. of when yeah. we're watching the movie. Right. Um, plotless films have no discernible endpoint or like, uh, what did I say? Endpoint that like we can ascertain. So like, we don't know where this movie is going to end up. So we don't know when it's going to end or we don't know what's going to happen. And that kind of like freaks people out yeah, yeah. when they can't feel that they can't feel the the arc structure, the act structure in the movie. Um, and I, I get that as a thing, but that, and then I started to think, well, long takes are kind of like that too, <laughs> especially the really long takes yeah. like fucking McQueen's hunger, which is 17 minutes of a st- static shot between yeah. two people. Yeah. And then suddenly it cuts in yeah. like those, those ones that are like really long or that are slow in their buildup. It's kind of this interesting thing. Like there's, why we notice it or why people tend to focus on it more is because it foregoes preconceived beats. Mm. Like when you, Jacob was saying about mass, uh, uh, shoulder, shoulder master, whatever the fuck, you know, like there's a beat to a scene, um, where you can feel it when it cuts, <clears throat> when it cuts or shows you the master, and then it cuts in, yeah. you get a build up, a sort of mini climax. And then the scene's over and you can feel that as you go so there's a preconceived beat in editing that you create mm-hmm. but you don't you can't get that because you don't know where a long take <laughs> shot's going to go right you know like the daredevil long take hallway scene yeah turns the camera quite a bit and he goes in and out of doors and like you don't know yeah where it's going to go you're just stuck having to follow it yeah um and you can't predict as well uh so and I think that's kind of where people can have like issues, I guess, kind of going to shot length, if you will, where it's like when you have to watch a shot for so long and you kind of maybe want it to cut, I guess, you know what I mean? Like not everyone likes a long take yeah. or not everyone is like notices it or cares like we do because we like to make movies. Um, so it kind of like forces you to like really experience something as opposed to just kind of like watching it and assuming about it. I mean, that's, you know I mean? I, those are my favorite type of long takes, really, because that's what like, Michael Haneke does, right? Where he forces the viewer through long takes or non-long takes in certain situations that yeah. they feel uncomfortable with, like funny games, you know? Exactly. Like that extended shot of, um, you know, the, the mom uh, getting out. She's, yeah. you know, in her, you know, in her, in her underwear, her fucking family is like killed on the couch or whatever mm-hmm. you know and exactly. and she's you know just the tv of nascar is playing or whatever <laughs> and like and the camera just sits there and he just folk he just forces you even though you're just like fuck i want her to get out quicker or whatever or you want to see something you yeah. want to yeah. see yeah like you and don't know he, that the other guy's still alive until she right. goes over there yeah and he you know he doesn't he doesn't compromise that too early he, you know, some would say he he leaves you. It goes on for far too long. At the same time, what he's done, he's 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 intelligent. He's intelligent enough to to know to know like how to push it. I don't yeah. know how to explain that, but totally, it's in those are the long takes that not only thematically rich 
within the film but like they're emotionally rich with the character mm-hmm. and like that those are the most impressive ones because oh, it's, then at that point that's the fabric of the film and without it that film would not be remotely what it is it's not it's not doing i mean the idea of funny games even the title is the, the idea of violence in film mm-hmm. and and how you can play with that so those are the, those are my favorite type of long totally takes, and sure. it's like my comparison is not perfect because i think people like long takes generally and a lot of people don't like plotless movies but i think there is i just started to kind of picture this like similarity between the two where both things because a lot of plotless movies are about the experience of the movie itself it's not about getting right the character necessarily through something Mm -hmm. and and enjoying that adventure it's just you have to experience yeah what's happening 100 like an old boy right that extended take in the hallway it's like the viewer is aware that the action that you're seeing is in this claustrophobic Mm -hmm. hallway but yet the filmmaker has forced you to just experience it in that real time in one thing um so the psychology behind that is no different than what michael haneke is doing it's just the 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 what's going on in those films are different yeah but the the idea the intelligence behind both of those filmmakers is the same it's it's crazy i I don't know how to explain that but yeah i totally i get where you're coming from and keith i I think I think you're kind of spot on. I think I think there is like a similar there there's like a uh like they're kind of congruent like plotlessness and and long takes like in general. Like if you uh, like the more long takes a movie has, it's almost like the less plot it's going to have. Mm-hmm. You know? But like Mission Impossible, you I mean you literally <laughs> have to cut to go to another country. And I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a movie out there that found a way to that to do a long take and move to another country. I'm sure there's a way you can move sets around or whatever. Um, and that sounds like a fascinating thing that I'm going to have to do for one of my movies. Um, but, but one thing I think where like Birdman really achieves, and I know you hate Birdman, which is why it's my example, um, is that it does achieve the long take and plot like at the same time. And, but it also will like let, like sit there with you with like certain things but I think that's why I think that's an aspect of what I love about Birdman is that like normally you that's those two things are not together Mm because like if you look at like the movie Rope all long takes not a ton of plot like it's really just like trying to be (laughs) suspenseful but it's not because you know what the answer is at the beginning of the movie um so it's like this like weird like mix of there there is like like long takes just don't push the plot forward like in general but they kind of don't right but right. birdman somehow made it work you know what i mean mm-hmm. and at the same, using the haunting a hill house again like that particular episode it's more about it's more revelatory or revealing mm-hmm. As opposed to, okay, the characters are going to be doing this next. It's just kind of giving you, like, this backstory of why everyone's fucked up, uh, <laughs> basically. Um, and then right. it, it takes place within a, a, both the past sequences and the present sequences both take place in a, a very small window, a couple-hour yeah. window um, in the movie or in the TV time or whatever. Um, and also... This this kind of adds a layer, I think, to our discussion when we finally get there to Victoria and Russian arc, 
because those are both films that are actual long takes for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, where and Victoria is one where they have to further it with plot. <laughs> Victoria I, is insane. I think Russian Ark is not about plot; it's about the exploration of the museum. Um, I haven't seen either one. I'm so I'm kind of speculating. No, here you're right. Bit, you're one hundred percent right. It seems like yeah. like they kind of are a good example of both things where the long take doesn't further the plot because there is no plot, and you can kind of get the sense of what I'm talking about of how these things yeah. are similar. Where Victoria is like all plot just happened to be yeah one crazy. Yeah, we should do those take. two together. Because oh, that's, that's the plan. Yeah, because that because like Russian arc is it's like a history of Russia in a way. Yeah. So each room represents you know. So there is no like you said there's no plot really. Whereas Victoria, it's like yeah, there's a there's a, it's about a heist. It's a, it's a, yeah. So and both are like whoa, <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's why I, I put those are paired together, and I why I never wanted to do them paired with another movie yeah. because. They are very like even Birdman. Birdman's fake long takes, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And but these are true. These are actual. Yeah, yeah. They filmed for two hours yeah. to get Victoria. Like that's insane. Victoria is insane. It really uh, is. So we will talk about those eventually, maybe sooner rather than later. But there, I think there are good examples of kind of what I'm trying to get at here. And Another I kind 90. of feel that more and more, like what Jacob's <laughs> saying, where it's like the plot, the long take is always about the spectacle of what's occurring in that real time moment, not like how does this going to get it might the character might end up in a different spot and that is kind of a way of furthering plot but it's not like a like you know cutting to a different country and then there are some filmmakers that have tapped into that 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 were like how are we going to make our long take different you know yeah and i think like Mm -hmm. children of men is different because it does kind of further the plot because at that point julian moore's character is fucking dead yeah and now they have to go do something where that where it was taking now goes to a completely different direction the Mm -hmm. whole film and everything just changes so it's like but that's what makes that whole long take effective it wouldn't be as effective if that if the motorcycle doesn't come out of the woods and they have that chase right. sequence, if, right. if it just was, you know, like, so it, it's, it's like the filmmaking behind it has to be spot on, but you're so right. And that's, and that's a super interesting, like, I mean, you can, you can pair so many different films that way about mm-hmm. long takes that further stuff. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause even the passenger, it doesn't really further the plot that long take really it's kind of the it's, end of the plot it's yeah so it's kind it's kind of like a it's kind of like a finale even though it's not like super showy it's weird and then like i am cuba i mean those extended shots aren't really furthering the plot either <laughs> like, at they're, all. Like, they're, right really at all they're just kind of like showing everything that's occurring i guess yeah it's, it's like kind of the a, togetherness of it sort of a thing yeah it's yeah it's connecting all the the different areas it's almost connecting really if anything it's connecting geography like the opening shot right it's like you're up on this little rooftop and they're you know bikini you know girls in bikinis dancing and then it goes down into the pool and stuff where you really just connecting geography it's not really telling us a story yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so well i'm glad that there's some yeah that's cool my thoughts or theories hold a little bit of water, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why no, I, I thought about it, but it just came to my mind all of a sudden. I, I think it's spot on. But one of the wonderful things about movies is that there's exceptions to every like rule right. or, or oh, idea. Right, right. So yeah. like the like like Planet of the Apes, the new one, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. There's this great shot of Caesar flying through the trees, and it's all CG. So th- I guess it doesn't really count. 
Um, but the seasons are changing and it's a long take of him like flying through the trees and like you see all the the leaves fall, you see like snow on the trees and it basically just a year passes by. That was their way of saying a year passes by. And it was such a great way to show that when you could just have a card. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it was like, this is neat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is yeah. like spectacle, even though it is also like, it's basically <laughs> like the equivalent of an article in prose writing, you know, like the word the, like that's what, that's totally. what it was. But it was still like such a nice like way to do it that made you like appreciate the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like yeah. shots like that where they changed a lot in the, in the shot. Same. Uh, which is like like the, for the passenger it's like yes the long take is really good but actually the best shot is the one where it changes where it goes to the flashback yeah in that yeah. single take like that is the best shot of the movie or at least, at least a couple of best the shots best of the movie. sequence or whatever yeah yeah well it's just uh, like it's like is it the best like it depends on your perspective like the last shot is definitely more impactful i'd say but maybe for like a budding filmmaker maybe the best is that sequence because it is a unique way to Definitely. do that yeah um but maybe for impact i, I think the ending still still takes it i want i want to i want to talk about one more thing before i'm not sure if you um are looking to to end here but i wanted to mention one last thing and it's a theory it's another theory i so i am cuba was banned in united states when it first came out mm-hmm. and <laughs> it didn't see the light of american audiences uh, until 31 years later in 1995 where it, when Scorsese's and Coppola were like people need to watch this movie because it's technically outstanding and it's such an insane movie which they're totally right it is Terrence Malick <laughs> hmm, was on his hiatus when this movie came out I, I'm guessing he saw this movie I Am Cuba and was like I want to make more movies like that and decided to get back into movies because of I am Cuba. I have no reason to no foundation for, for, for this thought, but I looked up the production history of, uh, the thin red line or whatever. And, um, the first conversation he had about it with one of the cast members was in 96. So, <laughs> my theory that he saw I Am Cuban was like, I want to make movies like this. It just, it feels so Malick to me. Like, the movie. Like, it, it, it feels like, yeah, it's a propaganda movie, but, like, how the camera's kind of floating, how, how like, its relationship with the characters, for some reason, felt very Malick. It does, it sounds, it does actually, now that you say it, it does feel very similar to um, Night of Cups right because it's like showcasing like rich people's fucking life like christian bale's rich fucking actor life or whatever you don't really care about the characters but you see him go through these different like emotional up and downs of that he's experiencing right like high-end life like it's definitely saying stuff right and it's shot yeah dude, that's dude I, it's I, like I, the I shooting style that. of it or, I can, but I that can too, buy that. right? Were well, you looking up Malik? Why did you? Where, where did that come from? Well, I when I was watching I'm Cuba, it just felt very Malikian, oh, if that's a word. Okay. Sure. 
And so yeah. I was just like, yeah. well, I was like, well, his hiatus was around there. So I went and looked it up and was like, ooh, I wonder. <laughs> Dude, now that you <laughs> but, say it, like, I could totally see that. It's so not true. founded in any evidence. It totally, I'm doing the opposite. I made the theory and then decided that this was a thing. Um, but but it's it makes sense though. It, I, mean, I, can only, kinda, I can buy it. Yeah. The only difference is that fucking I am Cuba was just made back in the day where like you just couldn't get those fluid shots. Whereas, you know, Malik is able to get all those shots super fluid through cranes and Steadicam. Right. You know. Right. So it's right. almost like no, you're one hundred percent right. Like I could see Malik doing I am Cuba. Like I can picture him. Right. Taking Emmanuel Lubetsky to fucking yeah. you know Africa or whatever, and doing the same thing with a different, with a different country, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's I totally so, see that. It's so true, dude. Holy shit! That's a no. That's a really good comparison. I think there's yeah, there could be some validity there. Um, <laughs> if I ever meet him, I'm gonna be like, you need to tell people <laughs> that I'm right. <laughs> or at least, yeah, I'd love to like hear that because. It makes sense. And it's interesting, too, because he came with a thin red line after the hiatus. And, yeah. You know, yeah. I Am Cuba obviously deals a lot with the political and, and war. Yeah. And the thin um, red line has those shots, those extended sequences of, of you know, of them with the natives in the in the islands, mm-hmm. on the islands and stuff. And, dude, that's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, man. Right? <laughs> I bet. I bet. Dude, I'm just saying. I bet it was a factor. You know, I bet he saw it and was like, I'm coming back. I'm inspired. I bet he was inspired. I'm coming back, bitches. (laughs) That'd be kind of crazy, like, if Scorsese and... uh Coppola. Coppola and people like that had an influence on bringing Malik out of... Because you know he saw it. You know that, like, he was like, oh, Scorsese's and Coppola were like, hey... Yeah, this movie's amazing, like, we should watch it. You know he saw it. They might have even watched it together, you know what I mean? Right? Like, yeah. seriously, like... Right. Even before it got its official release, I bet, even. Yeah. You know what I mean? George Lucas was uh, selling the Skittles out in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Skittles. <laughs> Come see uh, Phantom Menace. Because they Come. watched it at Skywalker Ranch <laughs> all together. <laughs> but Lucas was, like, just, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't really He's invited in. Even, yeah, he was just pop passing out the he was shoes. he was shaving his beard even more underneath <laughs> yeah. you know oh <laughs> he was shaving it right so it's a thin uh, line right here yeah and that's, that's where <laughs> it was a thin thin line thin and, red li- oh yeah uh, and that's where he got the idea for the title of his uh coming return from oh, hiatus wow. movie it's from wow. george lucas's uh tiny beard and it was he called it red because he noticed that George Lucas had been picking all the red ones out, so they were, he was only yeah. getting the yellow and green and purple. Exactly, skills. exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, this other artist, uh, other writer, um, said the same thing. He was well. He says, "How many people like filmmakers like Malik owe this film something or pulled from about this? I am Cuba." Yeah, about dude. See, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm so right. And there's another it's comparison so right. where the guy was like, "Look how you know that opening shot of I Am Cuba, isn't it so like Maliki, in how it is?" And dude, you know he he worked. I think I'm trying to read this correctly here. What Days of Heaven? Did he shoot some of it? Uh, Day, Days of Heaven that came out. That was later. That was way Bef- later. Oh, okay. But um. 
Malik went still. to Cuba, and they were, and that was part of part of what formed Days of Heaven was a was this some trip to Cuba. Um, Telling you, so man, interesting. He went there because he saw the movie. He's like, dude, <laughs> this theory holds up. It's dude. If I ever meet him, when is when is he gonna die? When when's his expiration date? <laughs> He's, He's seventy five. Yeah. So we got to get him. I got to meet him in like six years, and I'd be like, "Dude, <laughs> was luck. it? I am Cuba. Was that? Was that what brought you back?" I would <sighs> say, right here, it's recorded. It's official. <laughs> Jacob's calling it. Yeah, um, I'm calling. This it. could be the truth bomb, you know. And if any <laughs> random listener ha- or if Malik happens to randomly listen to this, yeah. Even if it's anonymous, I'd love an email. <laughs> yeah. Please, hey, please confirm. btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. Um, we just get this email free. that just says, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> you are, like, you are spelled wrong. Yeah. And you know it's like, you <laughs> yeah. know it's like Nate who sent it. <laughs> uh, um, no, that's interesting. Yeah, if, it'd be cool if somehow we randomly get connected with him or this this little soundbite appears in front yeah. of him somehow or it's, in his ears somewhere and he kind of it's fr- it's from like the the, the, the the email address is from like the tree <laughs> tree at the at yeah, yeah. or some <laughs> shit you know like, oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> tree at life.com yeah tree at life <laughs> tree at life uh cool all right uh no that's pretty solid we talked a lot about other things that were not long takes and we talked a lot about long takes so uh, <laughs> and we got our marvel good. talk in there which keith appreciates you know which happens like stuff. every episode somehow <laughs> um <clears throat> i don't feel like we really need a round table for this episode really unless you really want to i don't know i we're getting on in time so we got to hurry up if we do a round table oh i am kind of curious on keith at least I don't know which one you yeah. like better. I honestly don't know which one you like better. Yeah, I have 50 Okay, just too. let's do it. Just do it. Just be quick about it. Who wants to go? Uh, well, uh, let's guess for Jacob first. Uh, I'm going to guess... I am Cuba. Yeah, I'm going to guess I am Cuba. I think it's like just more different. Just more things going on. Surprised um, you. Well, no, but then you did... Uh, fuck it, I'll just keep it. I am Cuba. Yeah, you guys are right. It is, yeah, oh, okay. I like I like how Cuba, man. This movie is insane, and I love the crazy camera bullshit. Even though you can see right through it nowadays, it's still like super neat. I love all the Dutch angles in there. My favorite, uh, my favorite story was the one with the guy in the cornfield. I love that spinning shot that they did where he's like stuck in the cornfield, and they do a couple other like spinny, like weird shit in this movie, and it's so cool. Um, I also I like the passenger too. I thought I thought that was really good, but I think I've just seen like movies that do it like a little bit better slash differently now, you know. But there's exactly. still some like really cool shit in the passenger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like, knew you were gonna say that. Like I am Cuba is one of those ones that's like different. It's so different. It's so yeah. It's so it's so bold and special. You know. It's yeah. Uh, this, it's its own genre exactly so yeah. i yeah that's i had a feeling i you can always like i feel like with you if, if we ever watch a movie that's like is just so out there it's its own yeah, yeah you tend to then i'm gonna pick that, that. yeah yeah because i love that shit 
Yeah, they're they're kind of it's sort of an unfair comparison in that regard, like between yeah. these two. Yeah. Uh, so we could do Byron. I think Byron's the passenger because you said you've we picked it because you love the movie so <laughs> yeah. much. So. <laughs> yeah, you were like, oh my god, the passenger. Uh, well, you literally so, just watched I Am Cuba today too. I so did. Yeah. It's fresh in your head. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah I I'm going with the passenger too for for you. Um, obviously, you picked it, but I think uh, it's kind of. It's speed seems like your your type of uh, deal, and um, I think you kind of like the kind of th- it, it's like a thriller kind of romance kind of like in a weird kind of yeah, way. It is, and, yeah, and uh, like, you you love that kind of stuff, and I think you like its aesthetic too. I think you're a fan of how it looks, so I'm gonna go with that. And uh, I don't know, I'm gonna go so far as to say you didn't like I Am Cuba like at all. Oh wow, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, you guys are right. Like I do like the passenger more like the passenger is just cool i mean i just love like the identity thing but also it is like a thriller with like and like the romance part of it is like this whole other just kind of it's just like yeah another part of it it, it, it it's weird like i haven't quite seen another romance like it in film because they're like not lovey-dovey but like you know what I mean? Like it felt real. Like it's, it's interesting because, not... like, well, actually, one of my favorite shots in that movie, and it was just a very quick thing, was yeah. when they're laying right. post coitus, and yeah. they kind of frame it like a Renaissance painting yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah. 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 From the way the, it was the door lit. Yeah. And the way, yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And the reason why there's only that one shot is because uh, Mariah Schneider, uh, she had just done Last Tango in Paris a couple years before. And that film had, had, you know, she didn't want to be known as the girl that got naked in movies. So she told Antonioni, like, hey, when it comes to the nudity, uh, you know, so he did it tastefully where it was just them. You know, you don't even see your breasts, I don't think. It's just like her butt, really, if I remember right. Yeah, you don't see anything. Yeah, it's just like really just them in the background. So that's kind of the, it was kind of cool, like, knowing that that shot like you, you could tell he's like he had to think about what he wanted to do with the yeah, nudity you right. know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah no i just i just i just like the i like how it's like political too a little bit with the with the just all those subplots i don't know this is cool but yeah, i'm yeah, cuba yeah. i actually liked it so much more than i thought i was going to yes <laughs> like i seriously was so impressed with it i i had no idea that that it was as crazy and just like fucking out there and just they went full out they went like i was i was expecting like just you know shots of them on like a train of just looking out of a window for seven minutes you know what i mean that sort of stuff dude this was so not like that and the camera was just all everywhere completely not what i was expecting i mean i couldn't have been more wrong in what i was thinking i was going to watch so i was i was like pleasant i was pleasantly surprised with it and i thought it was going to be more of like a documentary and me too five minutes into it i was like this isn't like a documentary this is like this is staged Mm -hmm. like they're which made me excited because i was like damn there's like a, a message going on with each of these little stories but they're not like plot i don't know it was cool. I, I I actually looking forward to watching it again sometime. Wow. For sure. All right. I was way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right, we can wrap it up here with me. I don't know. <laughs> this is tough because like there's elements of like the passenger that I that I think I know you'd like because like me right like the gun running, 
I think yeah. some of the aesthetic parts I think you'd like the fact that they have like a real killing in there, like kind of a little snuff, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I think yeah, real death I, is. I, I, well, I mean, death. I mean, like the idea that I'm they put it. it. Well, I mean, that I, that, you put, that the that the that the filmmaker yeah, put yeah. it in there that it was a gutsy thing to do, because um, uh, some versions they take that out. Uh, but uh, so there's like elements of that at the same time, the audacity and just the full blown like almost harmony karen like style of yeah of of i am cuba where it's just like you just they went for it i would have to say i am cuba i'm gonna go with i am ah, cuba tough. also black and white but also <laughs> um i think i think maybe you didn't put your finger on the malik stuff but looking back, you, I think you totally Ooh, yeah, see it. And I think you liked... You're a big fan of Malick. And I think maybe mm. you like this movie for those kind of reasons. Um, plus, you're a big anthology humper. You like to hump those things. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You I'm do like go the, antho- the anthology stuff, for sure. Yeah, he does, That's yes. a good point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm Cuba. Yeah. I think you definitely like The Passenger, though. And I think if, if I'm Cuba turned out to be maybe where byron thought it was gonna be then you would definitely pick the passenger but i think this is a i think this is a rare case where we see you picking not the passenger i think that's what this is yeah well i think i think the passenger was maybe just a little i think just like the reason you didn't like it the fact that you've seen it done kind of similar things done better now you know what I yeah. mean? Because it's it is an older film, so I think you've seen that kind of mistaken someone taking on a different person. You've seen that, right? Just done differently, so it's it wasn't as exciting or just it didn't bring anything yeah. new. Plus, to you. plus it could have been more hard boiled, and I think you would have liked it if it was a little more hard. That's true. If it was more hard boiled, if more it was hard-boiled. more genre, if it was more genre, I think mm-hmm. you'd like it. Not saying that you like that you have yeah. to have everything genre, but I think the film is definitely an artier version of like a thriller yeah type of thing you know what I mean? yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i don't know it's really weird watching both of these movies i was so out of the mood for both of these like i just was not in it for either one actually <laughs> and they both require i think especially i'm cuba i think requires that you be in that yeah in the mode. yeah mm-hmm. it's such a filmmaker movie like right. it's so yeah, I can see why it would be frustrating to watch for a lot of people. And The Passenger kind of, in some certain ways, kind of the same way. Um, I guess, I don't know. But I, I was I was kind of out of touch with both of them. I th- think The Passenger edges it out, though. Oh, okay, cool. I kind of liked I Am Cuba less than I thought I would, surprisingly. <laughs> oh, all man. things considered. I know, it's weird. <laughs> and like I said, it's, so, it's such a mood thing, too. Like, I just... I don't know, just wasn't in it for really either one. I feel like most of the time when we do these movies, I usually am in the mood for at least one of them. But yeah, this is one of those rare times where I was like, I kind of could have passed on either one. <laughs> Not to say, I'm glad I watched them, but yeah, it's yeah. like, it is, it was like, it's hard. And I think, I yeah, I just, I, maybe my expectations were different for I Am Cuba. Like, I didn't know anything about The Passenger. I knew a little bit more about I Am Cuba, but... Yeah, I think The Passenger edges it out just a little bit. Sweet. But I think, like, 
Because, like, there's, like, a couple of things, obviously, I can pull from the passenger, like, that shot, like, the flashback. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way they do the long take is one of... I really like the slow burn takes yeah. like that, where the camera doesn't rush itself. Yeah. And everything else just happens to happen around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know what's really annoying with I Am Cuba was... Actually, I didn't like the Dutch angling as much. It was mm-hmm. so, like, unnecessary, almost, how much hmm. they were kind of doing it. But I did like how the whole film was basically, like, this fucking, like, 12-millimeter lens yeah. that they used yeah. and sh- yeah. shot the whole movie like that, which is kind of crazy. Um, but there's a lot that it has a lot of merits. 64 and doing all the shit they were doing it was just yeah. kind of wild. Um I don't know. I on a rewatch it could be different. On both a rewatch on both of these could be different. I don't know when I'd get around to rewatching it. I, Maybe I just need to be older for I'm Cuba. I don't know. Have you guys seen any other Antonioni films? I don't uh, think so. I'd have to look it up. Like Blowout, Zabriskie Point. Mm, I don't think I honestly Lenat, have La Ventura. No. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't also think I, I have not seen identification any. of a woman. Oh man, blow up. I'm. See, I'm. Blow I'm. Oh, blow out. That's it. Yeah. Blow, up. blow up is yeah. the Brian De Palma remake. No, no. Basically. Blow up is his. Oh, blow, blow up. Out yeah, blow is out De is the De Palma. Blow uh, up is mystery thriller though. Oh, it's awesome. It's one of my down. favorites too. That one's really good. Yeah, no, I haven't seen any of his other movies actually. Because they're all very different, but yet they're very similar, and that you could tell that that's Antonioni. Like, mm. um, and you because you mentioned it too. Like, you liked how it kind of took its time. Like his camera and his camera does take its time because he uses actors as space, not as like a subject, which is interesting. And I think that's an interesting way of like shooting a film. Um, but we can get into that when we talk about Antonioni if we do yeah, like a, a Thor thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I, but you picked but you picked up on it though, which is cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think this is one of those weird times where you guys are kind of off. But I think I think you guys are not off. I think it was just I think I was kind of off. It was just an off yes. when it came to it. That's all bit. I need to hear. Uh, but I think yeah, this week though, I think the passenger does just edge it out. Uh, so you're wrong for being right i don't know i, don't know. I think i think like. if you were in it um, you would have picked i cuba maybe yeah yeah it's tough to say i don't know it's tough know. to say i'm guessing um but yeah that's kind of is what it is um i don't know I, it's weird because i do like long takes and i'd like the discussion i think we had a really good discussion around long takes despite that yeah um Long takes part three will be interesting when we get around to it. And maybe that'll be Victoria and Russian Ark, or maybe it'll be something else. We'll see. I, re- I do really want to see Victoria, though. So, um, But we do have quite a few plans for the next couple of episodes and what we're watching. So I don't know. We'll get around to it. We'll get around to it. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this up so we can get on to the pitch. <coughs> Pitches. Uh, so stick around after the break. For those. This is the Pitch Fest, where we each have 30 seconds to pitch a plot to a movie based on this week's topic, and we vote on who's his best. 
Uh, we had a long discussion about long takes, so our plots will feature some particular long take integrated into it, brought up, obvious. I shouldn't have to assume there's going to be a long take somewhere. I should know where that long take is at. Um, Byron's going to go first this week because I think it's been a while. <laughs> but I don't actually know that for a fact. I'm just saying that. Um, so what's your title? Uh, Trace Lobos. Trace Lobos. So three Trace wolves. Lobos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. All right. And... Go. In one shot, we see a young Mexican woman riding her Ducati motorcycle from her home in the country to her work in the city. But along the way, at a roadblock, she is stopped by a local cartel who forces her to smuggle a kilo of cocaine by holding her family hostage. Once she delivers it to the assigned warehouse, the long take ends and then we follow her, tradi- we follow her traditionally as she is then surrounded by the federales and taken into custody. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. All right. Cool. <laughs> I'll go next. <clears throat> Sweet. Excuse me. Um, mine is called No Questions Go Unanswered. Sweet. <laughs> cool. Cool title. Are you ready? Yeah. And go. We open on a long take of men dressed in black getting into a car and driving to a location. When they get there, they don masks and gloves, and the camera chases them as they break into a house, lose their element of surprise, get into a gunfight, and learn that this operation was a setup. Three of the four men die, and the last is left to chase his way up the ranks, killing everyone he needs to in order to find out why he was betrayed. The film ends with a second long take shootout and the unanswered question of whether the man survived. Sweet. Oh. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, uh integrating your last pitch that we did you know the upwards uh what was it action oh yeah <laughs> kind oh, of oh yeah that's true huh I yeah didn't think about that pretty interesting yeah that's cool but not yeah. not literally floor by floor and that's not literally but, floor by floor but yeah. kind of but fighting his way <laughs> to the top yeah figuratively um, definitely uh all right jacob what's your title here my title is pangs of partisanship Hangs of partisanship. Okay. Wow. Cool. I dig it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes. And go. A political thriller that follows the mayor of San Francisco as she's tempted by political bribers to benefit the rich. One day, she gives in to a bribe in, bribe in exchange for her becoming a frontrunner for the open senator position. When this happens, we see a long take of her in the back of a car as the city around transforms into a hellish landscape and its inhabitants become shadowy demons with white circles for eyes. Time and space seem to get lost as the demons relentlessly pursue her, causing her immense emotional and physical trauma. No one else can sense these demons, and she's left to figure out how to be rid of them by herself Stop. oh <laughs> nice oh. <laughs> interesting interesting all right back around to b roni over here damn b roni antonioni <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible joke <laughs> oh man that's tough i like both um fuck i guess God damn it, why are you guys making it so difficult for me? Fuck. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Jacob's this time. Yeah. Uh, just because I liked... I don't know if I'd buy the hellish landscape part. <laughs> but if done right, it could be cool. But I like the idea of a woman mayor who kind of has to deal with her actions in a way. Um, and how 
you could utilize that long shot through that sort of hellish landscape thing. If done right, I think it could be really cool. At the same time, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Whereas, you know, I know that Keats would be able to, it, like, it, it like executed correctly, like, it, it, you know. But I, I liked, I liked where I like, I like that idea. It, I haven't seen a film like that before, especially like a focusing on a woman politician. That'd be pretty cool. So yeah, but I like both. They're both good. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah, I think. I love Jacobs too. Yeah, uh, it was a good job integrating the long take in there. Um, I kind of with Byron, where I don't really see how it would work, but I'm curious to see it attempted. Um, and then kind of having that landscape be the the literal visual metaphor for you know the issues she's causing. I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll go with that one. And because also Byron, you threw me off too when you said this is a long take, and then until you got to the point where you said it ended, I was kind of like, it's kind of weak. Uh, You know what I mean? Like I was like for for what I kind of pictured you doing, and then you said when it ended, and I was like, okay. I I, if it goes on for that long, I'd be genuinely impressed. Because it's 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 like following her on a on a motorcycle. Yeah. So that's kind of like where it'd be like technically it'd be hard to have that on a motorcycle you know what I and mean? then it that's, stops for a bit and yeah. then it goes follows her again as right. she goes that's yeah. that's the part that i was like okay now it's becoming something i had to rush it i could have worded it better <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah all right jacob what do you think um i i also like bull and i like your i like yours byron but i also got tripped up by it in the same way that that keith did um, just in the, I think in the language of it. So I, I was like a just a pinch confused, but I still like the idea of like her like hopping in there and it, you know, and it's kind of like cartelly, you know, in that kind of way, and just like putting her in like a space that she needs to to try to get out of is, is super interesting. Um, and then Keith, I liked yours because it it felt uh, so it, it felt so much like um, like the raid kind of like it was like. You don't know why they're here or what is going on, but they're here and they're just going to do it. Um, and I kind of like that too, you know, and it for a different reason. Um, but since I understood Keith's, yours the first first time around, and I would probably watch that movie with a group of testosterone dudes, um, <laughs> then uh, I'm going to go with yours. <laughs> That's so funny. Plus, you had it's two funny. long takes, so you kind of pulled the trump card in, in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny that you say that, though, because I wrote this exact, like, the beginning part of this plot. I wrote the scene a while ago. Oh, wow. It has no attachment to the raid or the 4 by 4 I just <laughs> oh, happened to kind of fit in with that. But, yeah, though, I wrote literally a long take scene where dudes break into a house to steal something and find out that it was like a setup. Sweet. And everyone dies except for the, you know, the one dude. And it's literally just like this crazy ass like, you know, there's there's for some reason there's 20 dudes there instead of the usual yeah. five and yeah. then they like, you know, you kind of hear a lot of the gunshots happening as you as like you follow one guy, the main guy yeah. doing his thing, but so That's it actually cool. doesn't have any attachment to those other things. It's just coincidence. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, cool. No, these were these were dope uh, pitches. Jacob wins Woo. this week uh, with a good one. Yeah, good one. Um, 
So next week we will do probably some happy hour of some sort. Uh, with who knows yeah. what the topic will be. <laughs> There's been some good shit um, that's gone down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Being able to kind of do some contemporary talk helps yeah. a lot. Uh, and then afterwards, um, we will do. Uh, by the time this episode is released, we'll be doing Get Out and Us. So make sure you check out uh, those two films. We're going to be talking about Jordan Peele, probably a little bit about uh, kind of what it's like to watch a movie with preconceived, because we kind of talked about that with us Mm. a little bit, just preconceived ideas of a filmmaker um, and political nature of horror and things like that. Um, But I think it'll be nice and timely. Uh, And then we're doing something pretty interesting for the 100th episode. So it's definitely, you know, stick with us for that. Um, and then if you hate us, you can stop listening after that. But <laughs> at least get us get to the 100th with us because we're almost there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, follow us on Letterboxd, Jacob Foltz, Byron Goet, G-O-U-E-T-T-E, and Hyperion Creator for me. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye.